Amen. Hey, once again, we're in our topic of world religions, cults, and the occult. Number 12 rhymes with Scientology. It's Scientology. Praise God. And the tagline for this one is, that's right, science fiction what? Occult is exactly what's going on, and we're going to really focus tonight on the science fiction factor uh, as we take a look. Now, by way of recap, as you get to their workbook, praise God, give it up for Pastor Tom. He's been praying hard because we might get through two extremely small paragraphs tonight, but there's two. That's what I'm excited about. But as you turn there, we're going to recap history. Where does it come from? L. Ron Hubbard. He was involved in the occult big time. He wrote his big book. We'll see again, Lord willing, tonight. Dianetics is what started all. He had it taken away because, boy, he got caught and this stuff is a bunch of sham. And Well, he renamed it uh, Scientology, turned it into religion, got the rights back, and started off again with some serious control. He ain't ever going to let anybody take it away from him again. He developed a military force with the Guardian's Office, the RPF, the Sea Org, and then he died. But before he died, there was a hostile takeover with the current leader, and that was David Miscavige. He's the new face. Very abusive gentleman. In fact, he throws people into what's called the hole, as you've been seeing there, uh, amongst other things. And uh, including his own wife, they not only disappear, but most people realize that sometimes these people strangely end up dead. Okay, then last time if you're here, we took a look at Scientology's version of man's history and the story of... Zenu, the galactic overlord, 75 million years ago, he decided, just like the Marvel movie Infinity Wars, he was going to depopulate the universe because it's his right to do that, and he's trying to help everybody out. So he tricked him with the IRS people, right? Ha, 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 come in and pay your bill. When they came in, he eh, injected him with uh, uh, glycol, alcohol, frozen, uh, and he took the frozen aliens, he dumped them in a volcano, right? Uh, and then threw hydrogen bombs in case they didn't burn up in that volcano, apparently. Blue them up and oh no but then their souls started to float up and he caught them in these fly trapper <laughs> things and then then uh, basically that's why you and I have problems today because the sticky aliens are all over us and they call them engrams now if you weren't here last time that's exactly what it was in a nutshell right I'm not making it up it sounds like a science fiction story because it is. But that's what they believe. They take this writer, L. Ron Hubbard, his science fiction writing stories, and he made a religion out of it. Okay? Now, uh, let's get into the bottom there. That was the basis for Scientology. That's their version of mankind. But now let's get to the bottom of the page there where it says the source of authority. Why? Because now we're, they're a cult. Scientology is a cult by definition, secular and biblical, right? And why? Because every cult gets it wrong in the classic five areas we've been seeing in every one of our cults, right? Uh, and what we're going to see, of course, why do they get it wrong? Because they have their source of authority wrong, right? Their source of authority. Now, where do you and I get our authority? Where do we derive our belief system from? Right here from the Bible. And that's it, right? And again, I've said it before to blue in the face. Since when is the Bible not good enough? Since when do we need something outside this book? Since when do we need to have a new, 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 new word from God, right? And then if you believe in that belief system, then how are you going to witness to Scientology or the Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses who believe they have a new revelation, a new teaching? Just stick with the Bible, right? So, but that's where the consistency comes from is if you stick with the Bible. The problem is why are there so many different false teachings, false teachers, cults, even versions of Christianity is because people go outside the Bible. That's why, right? But what is their source of authority, right? Where do they derive their belief system from? Let's take a look at there. Uh, it says, for the Scientologists, the sources of authority are what? The writings and the speeches, and I'll add this, the audio, right? Remember those cool songs he came up with? Yeah, I spared you. I'll spare you again tonight if we get that far on something else. Uh, one of his lectures. Oh, boy. Uh, but they get them from who? L. Ron Hubbard. That's their source of authority. Of special importance is his book, what? Dianetics, The Modern Science of Mental Health. So basically, in a nutshell, that becomes their Bible, right? And I use that loosely because that's not the only writing. They go off of everything he ever said. He is their Messiah. In fact, that's what Jesus warned about when it happened in the last days. Open your Bibles to Matthew 24. That's our opening text. Matthew 24, right? And uh, if you find Matthew 24, what do you do? You stay there, right? Matthew 24. We'll start with verse 3. And long before Jesus warns about the uh, uh, earthquakes and famines and pestilence, how do you know it's getting close? How do you know you're living in the last days? How do you know it's getting soon? We don't know the day nor the hour, but how do you know it's getting close? For Jesus Christ getting ready to come back. Before he talks about those signs, he says something else. Verse 3, as Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered, what? <clears throat> Watch out that what? No one 
deceives you, right? In fact, I don't have time to go through it, but all throughout Matthew 24, repeatedly, he talks about deceit, 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 false teachers, false prophets, false teachings. And, and so the time of the seven-year tribulation is going to be a time, okay, which his second coming at the end of that is going to be a time of deceit like we can't even believe. That's the first thing on his list, right? So watch out that no one deceives you. Why? Because here's what's going to be characteristic of that time period. Many, not just a couple, many will come in my name claiming I am what? The Christ and will deceive many. Not only claiming to be Jesus himself, but claiming to be Christos, the Messiah, the anointed one. Right? So they're the a Messiah. And notice it's the article before there, the Christ. The Christ is a new age term, right? The Christ consciousness that you and I could achieve this superpower. So that's kind of interesting. So literally the Christ, literally Jesus, a Messiah type figure. I'm the one who's got the truth. I'm going to lead the way back or the Christ consciousness, kind of a new age term, certainly uh, fitting in all that. And well, what? Unfortunately, we'll deceive nobody because everybody sticks with the Bible like you're supposed to. And they've got that great benefit. I'm sorry, wrong translation. Deceive what? Many. Why? Because listen, and I've said before, again, you stick with this book. Guess what? You can't be deceived. You can't be deceived because this book is true. It's proven itself over and over again. So that's their Messiah. Their Messiah is who? Their Messiah, their source of authority is this guy. He's their Christ, if you will. He's their Messiah. He's it. He's the guy, right? That's their source of authority. Scientology continued on after Hubbard's death and is now publishing new materials and producing educational, promotional material on top of that. So let's take a look a little bit about their source of authority. We've already dealt with a lot of this, but since we're on this topic there, I want to hit it a little bit again, and then we'll move on to why do they also get God wrong, their version of God. Hubbard, of course, was a what? He didn't just write a book. He didn't just write one book. He didn't just write Dianetics. He what? This guy, to his credit, he was a very prolific author, okay? And he wrote all kinds of stuff. It wasn't just science fiction, Okay, as we saw before, this guy, he wrote science fiction, he wrote fantasy, he wrote adventure fiction, he wrote aviation, travel, mystery, western, and romance. Okay, now, yes, he's known for Dianetics, the science of modern health, their Bible, if you will, to use that loosely. Uh, but he wrote all kinds of stuff, okay? Now, he also not only wrote all kinds of genres, he also wrote under a bunch of different names. Okay, he didn't write everything as L. Ron Hubbard. Listen, two of his most popular ones, he also called himself <clears throat> Kurt Von Rocken. <laughs> yeah, that's manly. I'm going to buy that book. That's by Kurt Von Rocken. Whatever. Okay, also Rene Lafayette. I guess the French was coming out of him, right? Uh, that was his uh, principal ones. But he also called himself, listen to this, Winchester Remington Colt. And can anybody guess, I don't think you're going to need a word from God to figure this one out, what genre he used that name on? Rhymes with Westerns, you guys are incredible. Ching, 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 he won the prize. Uh, Winchester Remington Colt, whatever. And the German version was a Luger, was his last name was, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> uh, uh, he was also known as Lieutenant, Lieutenant Jonathan Daly, Captain Charles Gordon, Bernard Hubble, Michael Keith, Legionnaire 148, but that wasn't good enough. You got to take it to the extreme. Legionnaire 14830. Right there. Uh, Ken Martin, Scott Morgan, Lieutenant Scott Morgan, Barry Randolph, and Captain Humbert Reynolds. That's right, okay. In fact, his very first story, I kid you not, his first short story uh, published in uh, 1932, okay, was a story called Ta. Just Ta. Now, the follow-up to that one was called Da, right? Ta-da! No, I'm just kidding you. That I'm making, I, hey, listen, if he's going to write a story, I'm going to make one up too. But anyway... <laughs> I had to do that. Now, so, I mean, so, but this guy was a prolific author. This guy could crank out the material. Now, use the word uh, uh, crank loosely because you're going to see, you know why this guy could crank out so much material? If you know the street term, crank, this dude was on some serious drugs, right? We'll get to that in just a second. But his big breakthrough, of course, was Dianetics, okay, as far as a money-making thing because all those years from the early 30s to 1950 until Dianetics came out, he was just struggling big time financially, and he wanted money. And so he developed his own religion, right? Now, from 1950 forward, he basically focused more on Scientology material, making that stuff up. It wasn't, as we saw before, until back in the 80s, okay, mid-80s, that he, he got back into science fiction. That's where we saw it before with Battlefield Earth and the Mission Earth Chronicles, and, and those did pretty well as well. But this is where they derived their beliefs from, this guy writing stuff, 
writing stories. He made up a religion. He wrote all kinds of stories, and they archive every last bit of it, okay? But he's also, uh, uh, as we saw before, uh, he started out with Dynex, but he lost it, okay? And then he had to go to court to get it back, and he was basically threatened to sue the guy and all that stuff, so he got all that back. And, and that basically became the basis of Scientology. Now, as we saw before, that's their source of authority is this guy in his writings, okay? But where did that guy get his writings from? What's the inspiration for this authority? Well, it's a combination of several different things, right? Uh, we saw that Dynex was influenced by another previous work that he did called Excalibur. Remember that one? And remember how he came across Excalibur, which is basically the same premise that came out in Dianetics? He was what? He was on drugs. He was at the dentist. And he had what? Was it nitrous oxide he was on? And he was feeling really loopy there, right? But he said that was a near-death experience. No, it wasn't. Dude, you went to the dentist and you were on drugs, right? So early on, it was influenced by drugs, right? And boy, we're going to see that again later. Lord willing, drugs are a big part of his inspiration. Then we saw it was also influenced by the occult, right? Because with the rituals that he was doing with Jack Parsons, the founder of JPL, they were doing the, the sex magic with a K-M-A-G-I-K, occult stuff. And uh, that was where they were getting a lot of their inspiration uh, from as well. Also, he was heavily into uh, hypnotism. A lot of people don't realize in the 40s, Hubbard uh, practiced hypnotist, and he even worked in Hollywood posing as a swami. Again, because he's just trying to earn some cash. He didn't really make cash until after Dynex came out in the 50s, lost it, got it back again, but, and then took off again. Uh, but listen, and then the, the Scientology says that, well, uh, Hubbard's experience with hypnosis, um, that's what led him to create Dynetics. Interesting. Okay, but then of course he comes out with that. Now what's interesting, you talk about a source of authority, because they, they really believe that this guy is as good as the Bible, right? as, as what we would consider the, the authoritative word of God, the Bible. They think that about everything he did. To the point, listen, Scientology uses a dating system based on the book's publication. For instance, if they were to say to us, A.D. 25, that does not mean what we would think it to be, Anno Domini, which is the Latin for A.D., year of our Lord, meaning Jesus, so that's 25 years after Jesus, right? Okay, no, the A.D. to them is after Dianetics, if you can believe that. But that tells you where they're authority is to that point. It's pretty, pretty wild. Dianetics obviously uh, 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 continued on after that and then uh, uh, beginning uh, to develop as well. Now, talk about their, this, everything comes from this guy. This is their Messiah. This is their, the Christ, if you will, to use that term. Everything comes from this guy. Uh, secular folks even mention that. Scientology, this is Hugh Urban. He's a, a scholar. He said, Scientology is perhaps best understood as the religion of the author a religion based on the profound faith and ability of the individual to write his own story, imagine his own universe, and to become all-powerful within that universe. Because that was what it was all about. He is at the top. It's all about him. He's the smartest guy on the planet. He's mankind's gift to humanity, etc., uh, etc. Et okay? But that's why even the secular people know that they get everything from this guy. This guy made it up. This is it. He's the ultimate source, okay? And again, this guy wrote like you wouldn't believe. At his peak, he wrote over 100,000 words a month, and he's remembered by his, quote, prodigious output and amazing speed which he could produce. He used, listen, a special electric IBM typewriter with extra keys for common words like and and the and but. Now, here's my theory. He also apparently had several extra keys for the letter E because that's how he came up with the new name for Earth, T-G-A-C. Remember that when you saw that last week? T-E-G, but again, maybe with duh, that is, okay, I'm just working with the material here. Uh, but, and not only could he write and crank this stuff out, we'll see why in a second, uh, they have got his work into 72 different languages, Okay, uh, he's also in the Guinness World Book of Records for the most published works by one author, most audiobooks published for one author, most translated author in the world, and the most translated author of the same book, their book called The Way to Happiness. Now, again, back to the authority. We already talked about this in great detail, so I'm just going to hit it again just since we're on that context. They take his writing so serious that they put him in several different bases around the world. Now we saw before the one in New Mexico is called the Trementina base. 
okay? And they put these things, engrave his text on stainless steel tablets encased in titanium capsules underground, okay? They spend multiple, multiple millions of dollars, not just purchasing the land, but they've got underground tunnels, their own private airstrip, okay? Uh, one says this, buried deep in these New Mexico hills is steel line tunnels able to survive even a nuclear blast uh, is L. Ron Hubbard's material. Everything, his writings, uh, again, fortunately or unfortunately, if you're into his music, I hope not, with all due respect, but anyway, even his music, everything, his lectures, all that, uh, thousands of metal records stored in heat-resistant titanium boxes and playable on a solar-powered turntable, all containing the beliefs of L. Ron Hubbard, okay? So they, they're serious about uh, saving their source of authority, all right? Now, well, why would they do that? Well, again, because part of their belief system, remember they, the Sea Org, when you join, you got to join for how long? A billion years, right? Why? Because they believe in reincarnation, which the Bible does not teach. We'll get into that in much greater detail, Lord willing, next week, okay? But the Bible does not teach that. Uh, billion years, but they also believe that they're basically going back to space and they're going to come back one day, right? And we're going to see tonight, part of his influence really hones in on this word, science fiction, right? Because people who believe in UFOs and things of that nature and all that stuff, they get along pretty good with Scientology because that's a big basis for it. And again, we'll expose that uh, in even more so. But they, they even, remember the, the video we saw before, with the, they've actually etched into the ground outside of these bases those two symbols with the circles, and I think there's uh, like two diamonds in it, right? And they want to downplay it. Oh, no, he just, maybe that was a rogue tractor, you know, no, they don't even want to admit what it's for. And here's what it was for. Uh, Scientologists believe that those symbols are going to be the return point, basically like a roadmap, for Scientologists to help find Hubbard's works when they travel here in the future from other places in the universe. Now, before when we saw it, that was for when Hubbard, because Hubbard, he was so spiritual, he made it through all the OT levels, and he just left his body, right? But one day he's coming back, and he needs to know where he left his stuff. It's not just for Hubbard. The Scientologist believes this, that they too are going to go out into space, right? right? And then they're going to be able to come back. If they ever need to come back, they've got to make sure that they find the source material, of course. And they got several different bases. Trimatine is just one of them. Uh, they got a couple more in California, one right where, uh, close by where Hubbard died. Now, listen to this. They say that the uh, former Scientologists familiar with Hubbard's teaching on reincarnation say the symbol remarks a return point so loyal staff members know where they can find the founder's work when they travel here in the distant, uh, in, in the future from other places in the universe. A, as a lifetime staff member, you sign a billion-year contract, and that's not just symbolic. You know you're going to come back and you will defend the movement, Scientology, no matter what. The fact that they would etch this into the desert to be seen from space fits into their belief system. Again, this guy, he was a good story writer, but one of the genres he really excelled in was science fiction, right? But he made a religion of it uh, on top of that, okay? But let's just, again, quick, and uh, then we'll move on uh, to the next thing, but let's take a look again at those symbols. And again, it, it kind of bleeds into what we're about to get into on the next topic, UFOs and things of that nature, aliens and all that stuff, and how do people get snookered into this. But let's take a look at those symbols again. The land is rugged on the south end of the Rocky Mountain Range, a panoramic view of northeastern New Mexico under clear skies, which makes it easier to see an unusual sight. This is it. Two huge interlocking circles, markings on the desert soil that cannot be seen from the ground, but can be seen from the heavens. I think they're not designed to be seen by human beings, but by uh, alien beings. Michael Pattinson says he was a member of the Church of Scientology for 23 years. Now he's a disgruntled ex-member who says the circles are signposts for reincarnated Scientologists who come from outer space. Uh, they are markings to show the location of one of the vaults uh, which Scientology has prepared um, to safeguard the technology of L. Ron Hubbard. Hubbard, who died in 1986, was a science fiction writer who started the Church of Scientology. And indeed, next to the circles in a private runway is a building with a vault built into the mountain. Current Scientologists do say archives are held in the vaults, just as other religions safeguard the sacred texts. 
They say the vault is overseen by a Scientology corporation called the Church of Spiritual Technology. Church of Scientology officials denied CNN's request for a tour of the compound. They say the markings are simply a logo of the Church of Spiritual Technology and that this is a non-story. But from what we've experienced, church officials are extremely sensitive about this non-story. A pilot we hired to fly us over the compound backed out, saying he got a call from Scientologists asking him not to go with us. Other pilots said they would not fly us because they didn't want to make the Scientologists angry. But we did finally get a pilot. What do the circles look like to you from the air? They look like a, uh, a branding symbol a rancher might uh, have put out there. <laughs> the sheriff says the notion of spacecraft returning here was not discussed with him. But former members say that's part of Scientology teachings. I know it sounds very, very bizarre, but this is where reality is stranger than fiction. So are the circles a landing pad for extraterrestrial vehicles? The church is not commenting to us. Gee, I wonder why. But notice this again, it's the same theme. This is based on their belief system, just like we saw last time with Xenu and 75 million years ago, the Galactic Overlord. And that's their belief system. But so is this, even them coming back. And, and they want to deny, they want to deny those circles. They certainly want to deny Xenu and all that stuff. But this is really what it is. Because why? Because this guy was a, a great writer as far as producing material. And one of the big genres he excelled in was science fiction. Again, he used science fiction. He created a religion. And even when it comes out today, they want to backtrack. Right? Now, one guy said this, other religions preserve their sacred texts. Okay, nothing strange there. Scientology leaders apparently just don't want to misplace theirs. And maybe this is why somebody put the giant circles on the scrub lamb. Uh, because there's nothing worse than arriving from deep space and not knowing where to park. You know, that just really gets on your nerves. Uh, I don't know about you. All right, but that's their source of authority, right? That's what, it's all about him. He's their Messiah, the Christ, uh, if you will. Uh, so much so that they will hide this in the ground. They believe they're coming back and they've got to get their hands uh, on their version of truth, okay? Now, let's go on. So guess what? That's a sign that you're in a cult because you got a different source of authority. Number two, okay, and it all spills down from here. Remember the five things, right? The second one is you get the source of authority wrong, Everything else is wrong, right? Because you're shooting from the wrong source. And that certainly applies now on the second thing, the next chapter or paragraph there, the nature of God. What is Scientology's version of God? Well, basically, in a nutshell, they believe they are God. They'll become a God. They need to return to Godhead and things of that nature, okay? Let's take a look at there. The Church of Scientology International has no clear definition. Is your first blank there? Turn to somebody, give them a high five. Uh, I don't recommend lighting off any firecrackers if you got those left over from the fourth. But it is a time to celebrate because you got to fill in the blank tonight. Woo, that's right, Ruth. That's right. And maybe we'll get to et, too. I don't know. I, I can't promise that one. Uh, but there it is, a definition. Right? Scientology has no clear definition of the nature or person of God. Now, references to a supreme being are rare, right? Because they believe they're going to go back into that themselves, right? The supreme being is defined as in vague pantheistic. Now, we've seen that before. Pan, what's pan mean? All, theistic, theos, God, all is God. So if they're going to talk about you exactly right, Pastor Tom, they believe that all is God. That would include themselves. Uh, they embrace terms called the allness of all. Right? Oh, that's New Age Hinduism. We'll get to that in a second. All that exists is a manifestation of the universal spirit, which is all that actually exists. So if they're going to talk about God, they basically believe more in a Hindu version. Why? Because again, understand the man, understand his background, understand where his inspiration comes from. He's just grabbing from everything. He's hodgepodge in it, right? And what, this belief in pantheism is a big thing, of course, we've seen before in Eastern mysticism, okay, as well as Hinduism, as well as Buddhism, right? Uh, Hubbard's philosophy, of course, uh, it, he drew from a lot of different sources when he was influenced uh, over there in the East, the Hindu Vedas, Buddhism, uh, uh, Gnosticism, Taoism, as we saw before, uh, uh, even uh, Gnosticism, Gnosticism, of course, uh, Gnosis in the Greek meaning knowledge, some secret knowledge that you need to work your way back up into uh, these levels of godhood and emanations and things of that nature. Well, that sounds like what the whole premise of Scientology is, right? Working your way back up. Of course, you got to pay to get there, right? Uh, things of that nature. So it's a hodgepodge. Uh, also, that is developed on J. Gordon Melton says, Scientology has its roots in esoteric thought meaning higher spiritual knowledge. And again, that's how people get snookered. Because again, you say, well, I'll tell you what. I know that, here's, what, here's the dangerous phrase. I know that's what the Bible says, but 
I think it means, or God told me, or somebody else said, or I heard. That's, you know, but, but, but if you spiritualize it, like, but I had this experience, and I read this sacred text. That's esoteric thought. It's like, oh, you're so spiritual. As we saw before, if you really want to uh, convince people that what you're saying is so spiritual, what do you got to do? You got to squint one eye, and you got to put your lips in a circle. And if you need to practice, use like a lifesaver. It works really good, especially because there's a hole in it, and you can still breathe. And I, yeah, whatever. Okay, but anyway, that's the mindset. Oh, so spiritual. So anyway, that's the same thing. Another guy, James Lewis, says Scientology is in the same lineage of supernatural religious move, movements of new thought, which is basically new age. And they're so steeped in uh, uh, Eastern mysticism, not only new age, which is what new age is basically out of. It all, all kinds of blend together. As we saw before in our 12-week study on new age, and we all remember that, don't we? Hey, preachers can dream. But anyway, so <laughs> it, New Age is why? It's a hodgepodge. It's a hodgepodge, a little bit of Hinduism, a little bit of Buddhism, a little bit of self-help, secular psychology. That's basically what Hubbard did. If anything, Hubbard took the New Age mindset approach and developed his own religion, right? All right? But so much so do they bleed over in that uh, source of what they believe about God, about the universe, and things of that nature, that actually the Scientology has capitalized on their similarity to Buddhism to win followers uh, in Buddhist-influenced countries like Taiwan, right? Because they use that as a springboard, right? Now, they, and they want to pitch themselves. We've already heard several comments, right? And this, again, is a New Age thinking. All truth is truth, right? That I can grab a little bit from here and whatever, and I'll just pick whatever works, and, you know, it's all basically the same. No, it's not. Why do you think we're doing our study, world religions, cults, and the occult? right? None of them agree with each other. That's one of the biggest lies out there. All religions basically teach the same thing. No, they don't. When people say that, what do we see before at the very beginning of our study? If people say that, they just said you don't know anything about world religions because they all disagree with each other. Number two, you don't know anything about Orthodox Christianity because it is completely unique amongst anything else, right? Now, but they want to pitch themselves that way. We've already seen comments by, remember Will Smith? Well, I was raised in a Baptist home and Scientology is 98% the same thing as the Bible. Remember that one? Remember the statements we saw before, I believe, last time, that uh, it's, it's uh, not incompatible with Christianity. What? What are you talking about? And we haven't even gotten to, Lord willing, next week, we're going to start to get into their, their view of Jesus and man and salvation and all that stuff. He's, he's, he really denigrates Jesus, and that's, just, that's probably a kind word, but that's Lord willing next time. So excuse, how can you sit there and say, but that's how they suck, they, they, they schnooker people in. They suck them right in is, hey, we, we're, we, you can keep your religion. That's a lie. Now, here's what's wild, okay, is one of the recent religions uh, that has getting, is now getting pulled in to Scientology is the nation of Islam with Farrakhan. Farrakhan is now promoting, if you can believe this, Scientology. And a lot of people, oh, no, he's not. Yes, he is. He is. Okay. And he's running into a, if you know anything about the nation of Islam, which would be a whole nother study, right? But one thing that definitely feeds on racism, right? And is definitely anti the white guy, right? And things of that nature. And, uh, and feeds on that and, and builds on that. So, well, wait a second. L. Ron Hubbard a, was a Caucasian guy, white guy, to use the term, right? So what are you doing following a white guy? So he, he got into a little bit of a ruckus over there. What you doing? You're giving into the white man and all that kind of talk, right? Well, listen to him explain why he's now promoting, I kid you not, I found the actual tape, the address, of why he is now promoting Scientology to the nation of Islam. Watch this. You know, the critics are saying, oh, Farrakhan talking all this black talk and went over to this white man, L. Ron Hubbard. Stop, stop, stop. You know, all the prophets taught us to seek truth from the cradle to the grave. I said, wherever knowledge is, you should seek to be a possessor of it. But yet, in the back of our heads, even though we bury it far, far away, these things haunt us. 
these things are impediments to our human development and progress. Islam is magnificent. It's beautiful. We search the scriptures, as you will see and hear today, and we come up with wonderful teachings from the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, and God himself has guided us. But I found something. In the teaching of Dianetics, of Mr. L. Ron Hubbard, that I saw could bring up from the depth of our subconscious mind things that we would prefer to lie dormant. But the auditing process brings it up and it's like bringing up demons out of us and just as this book Bible says, those fellas were coming up out of the human consciousness or unconsciousness into consciousness to bring past into present so that you could get rid of the past and make a future for yourself. Mm. So, I, I found a tool that I know can help us. And I thank God for Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. And I thank God for his research and teaching. Wow. Who would have thunk on that one, huh? But he's getting pulled into it. Now, he's in for a, a big surprise. Uh, I'll get to it in a second. But uh, Scientology has no uh, uh, idea of this universalism that you can, even though they'll say it to you to pull you in, uh, they are not going to bow a knee to any other religion. And they clearly admit that when you come a part of this, oh, he, he might get you now. He might got Farrakhan thinking that, Right. But you continue on. They expect you to be 100% and you bow a knee before Hubbard. Now, and I quote, this is from their application for their tax-exempt status to the IRS. Listen to what they said. And I quote, although there is no policy or scriptural mandate expressly requiring Scientologists to renounce other religious beliefs or membership in other churches, as a practical matter, Scientologists are expected to and do become fully devoted to Scientology to the exclusion of all other faiths. As Scientologists, they are required to look only to Scientology scriptures, L. Ron Hubbard, for the answers to the fundamental questions of their existence and to seek enlightenment only from Scientology. Right? So what does that sound like? Yeah, we'll say, yeah, it's all compatible, but what do they expect? One day you're going to bow a knee before L. Ron Hubbard, so to speak, because he's their ultimate source of authority. He's their God. He's their Messiah, basically. Hubbard, now speaking to God, I don't have much time to get into this, but kind of a new age concept. It's a Buddhist concept. Hubbard also taught, speaking of the Christ, right, the Messiah, Matthew 24, he also taught that he was, he believed he was this figure in Buddhism called Maitreya. Right? We've talked about that before in some of our prophecy studies. Maitreya is the name used in Buddhism for the Buddha to come. And it is believed that this Maitreya figure, this future Buddha, was going to be an enlightened one. And he was going to come and he was going to be a world teacher. And what is believed about this is that that world teacher, this Maitreya figure, was going to be able to unite all of the world's religions. Uh, they said the Christians know him as the Christ. Uh, Jews await him as their Messiah. Hindus look for the coming of the Krishna. Buddhas expect him as the Maitreya Buddha. Muslims anticipate the Imam Mahdi, their version of Messiah. They believe that all this, this Maitreya figure can bring them all together uh, as one. To, quote, guide people of every religion and those of no religion and lead them into great political, economic, and uh, through, through a, a time of, uh, of, of sharing and economic, social justice, and global cooperation, basically a utopia can come under this Maitreya figure. And that is in uh, virtually all the sacred texts of Buddhists. They believe in this future Buddha that's going to come. Well, L. Ron Hubbard believed he was that guy. 
And, and let me quote thing. Getting get back to this Messiah concept, right? Uh, he said, uh, that according to the Maitreya legend in Buddhism, the Maitreya would appear in the West and have golden hair or red hair. Well, guess who had red hair? L. Ron Hubbard. Also, he said that the Maitreya would appear in a time of world peril and the earliest of the predicted dates of his return, they felt that it was going to be about 2,500 years after the original appearing of uh, the original Buddha. Uh, and that would put them in roughly about 1950 in that era when L. Ron Hubbard's doing Dianetics. And so part of his belief system, he believed that he was going to be this uh, world figure. Okay, But again, back to the nation of Islam, uh, they're going to find out eventually if they get that far, um, you're going to have to make a choice. <laughs> And listen to this. Uh, Scientology is not only at odds with Islam, but Hubbard claimed that Islam was the result of an extraterrestrial memory implant. <laughs> right? But again, they, they snooker people in. They pull you in. They'll say whatever they can. They'll lie straight to your face just to pull you in. But they expect you, even though they say, oh, we'll bring all the world's religions together. This is the answer to bring world peace. Hubbard was the Buddhist version of Maitreya. This is just all of us follow Scientology, to use their uh, term. If we can get everybody to go clear and become Scientologists, we'll save the planet. No, it ain't about working together with other religions. It's about bowing a knee before their source of authority, L. Ron Hubbard. He thought he was that. Now, again, there's also a lot of similarities uh, into the New Age movement. Again, as we saw before, uh, some of the New Age movement, uh, in, to get their information, we saw they use a, a term, they get themselves into an altered state of consciousness. Remember that? Right? And that could be through uh, breathing exercises, a repetitive movement, repetitive speaking, drugs, certainly, to get yourself into an altered state of consciousness. And when you get into an altered state of consciousness, what happens? You connect with these beings. Now, these beings, sometimes they'll, it's all demonic, as we saw before. They're familiar spirits. They're, they're demonic entities impersonating or just flat out lying because that's what demons do, right? Uh, but a lot of times they appear on the scene that they're what? Space aliens orbiting the planet, right? Remember the New Age? We saw those people called the, the Ashtar Command when people would get into an altered state of consciousness. These supposed aliens would be coming through the channel, right? And they're here. Why? They're here. They're orbiting the planet because ever since we dropped the hydrogen bomb, they're very concerned. They're here to make sure that humanity doesn't destroy itself. And so ever since that event of the hydrogen bomb, World War II, they're here to help us. And apparently the only way that we can contact this higher evolved scientifically advanced race is to get into an occult state of altered consciousness. I always found that kind of weird because couldn't you tap into my cell phone? Send me an app. There's an app for everything. Surely you're advanced that enough. Can you call me on the phone? Let's do low tech, right? Send me an email. Oh no, the only way you're so advanced <laughs> that I have to get into an altered state of consciousness to contact you, which the Bible forbids Deuteronomy 18 because it's demonic. Come on, right? But that's the basis of new age, uh, certainly. But, but again, often new age, you get into what? You get into this back again to science fiction, UFOs, aliens, space brothers flying through the planet. We're here to save humanity and all that stuff. Okay. And again, Hubbard, uh, this was coming out. The Ashtar Command came out, I think, in 1952. So, all right, again, around the same time of Hubbard. Uh, there was also another uh, New Age society called the Aetherius Society. Basically believed that they were in contact with the Cosmic Masters. And they were sharing this truth that humanity need to have to bring utopia on the planet. They came out again in the 50s. So again, when you see not just the New Age begin to take off, okay, uh, which is a hodgepodge of these other uh, beliefs, uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, just take a little bit of everything. But part of the New Age movement also was to get yourself into an altered state of consciousness so that you can connect with the deities, the higher power, the space aliens, the whoever, and then they will speak through you, and then you write it all down, and you give that to humanity. That is all going on the same time Hubbard comes out with Dianetics. You're thinking, well, where am I going with that? Well, I would say bare minimum, that same mindset was used to create Scientology. And, uh, and, and, and I think that he was also in contact with beings that were demonic uh, as well. And let me give you a, a, a little bit of that proof as well. Because Hubbard, as we saw before, he had mentioned that he had a what? He was into astral uh, uh, vision that he believed he can get himself into an altered state of consciousness and leave his body. Well, what's that? You're, you're into a spiritual realm that, well, guess what? Just like the New Ager, you're going to get connected with spirits, which are demons, right? Also, he described that he had an angel that protected him. 
Now, of course, his version of an angel, because he was not a Christian, not a follower of God, it ain't going to be a holy angel. So what angel is it? It's a demon. So he had, but he called, he said it was a beautiful winged woman. Even if it was an angel from God, what does the Bible not ever once ever in the Bible equate angels as? Female. Never once. That's Hollywood. That's not Bible. Right? So right there, you know that can't be an angel from God on another level. But he believed that she was a beautiful winged woman with red hair and who he called Empress and who guided him through his life and saved him many times. So we know he was just like New Age. Okay, he was in contact with spirits. Okay, also another way that you get into an altered state of con, uh, 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 context there, altered state of consciousness to, to commune and get this higher po- power. Because again, remember, that's the basis of Scientology. L. Ron Hubbard was able to access this information, write it down for us to save humanity in this time of right. That's new age, that's a new age mindset. Right, but again, he also got into an altered state of consciousness, and we can point for sure this was the source of his writings via drugs this guy was one of the biggest drug users like you can't even believe right now uh, this is a court transcript uh, or, or a transcript of Hubbard's son talking about his dad's drug use right uh, right he said they said quote did your father take a lot of drugs quote Hubbard's son yes since he was 16 you see drugs are very important in the application of heavy black magic the personal use of drugs expands one's conscious ability to break open the doors to the realm of the deep. Well, what kind of drugs did he generally use? Well, he used just about everything. Uh, cocaine, peyote, amphetamines, barbiturates. Listen to this. He said it would be shorter to list what he didn't take. This guy's big time drug. And he even mentions 1952, right? So this is around the same time frame when he's just getting going with Dianetics. Okay, so a pattern of behavior was this guy was major on drugs. He said, and, uh, he said about his dad, I remember in 1952 while he was taking a needle in his arm containing cocaine, so now he's shooting it up, that he grinned at me, his son, and, and said, shades of Sherlock Holmes. If you know anything about Sherlock Holmes and the story, he did drugs too, whatever. Uh, he said, quote, listen to this, dad, L. Ron Hubbard, gave a lot of lectures on cocaine or stimulants of one kind or of another, he could, quote, really get brilliant on the stuff. So what did his son say? This is where this guy got his ideas. He had a demon that followed him. He got into an altered state of consciousness with occult techniques, astral vision, and he was heavy duty on drugs. All that invites nothing but what? Demonic. Now, of course, the new age and stuff, having been there, done that, you could, you'll never, they don't believe in demons, in that sense, that no, no, because they're channeling something good. It's all demonic, right? Now, let me give you a taste of what does it sound like with L. Ron Hubbard, in my opinion, doing some serious drugs. This is him giving a lecture, which people pay big bucks for. And you tell me, with all due respect, if this guy is not on drugs. Now, his son already said it. But tell me if this has any ounce of intelligence with all due respect in it. Listen to the audio. Watch this. So what have you got here? You've got an earlier similar incident or an earlier similar ARC break or you have an earlier similar TTP. Is there an earlier similar miswithheld? When you put a nickel in the slot, then the record arm comes over and goes down to and, and then the record turns around and plays Methuselah comes again. <laughs> you gotta know what you're doing. Squirrel, nonsense, upset, bleagle, boggle, yik, yik, yik. You don't, however, ask for another earlier ARC break. That is real crocky. You got an earlier ARC break? Well, that's really clown. That's really a clown question. Really clown. Because, of course, he's got an earlier ARC break. He actually has, by actual computation, enough earlier ARC breaks to make the Moon Astronomical Laboratory's computer go crazy. Yes, yeah, 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 oh, yeah, oh, what time? What time? He always asked for the ARC break, and I couldn't clear this ARC break. I used to think Scientology didn't work because I'd never clear up this ARC break. I keep telling him about the ARC break and so on, and you never could. Here's as you run it back to an earlier, similar, similar situation. If you fly a kite, you've flown a kite. Why can I just add him? What do you think? I just said I included it totally. I killed my mother-in-law, you know? I included it. 
and tell Joe and Bill and Pete and Oscar and Maisie and so on so on. This list is as long as it has the item on it. How long is a piece of string? A piece of string is as long as from the distance from one end to the other end, and it is the middle part of the string, and that is the length of the string. Got it? Yeah, we got it, dude. You're on drugs. Now, can you believe that? That's supposed to be, he's brilliant. What a mind. <laughs> yeah, just wow. And again, so that's where I think a lot of his inspiration came from, as his son clearly admitted, this guy was a heavy-duty drug user. In fact, he was on powerful psychopharmaceutical drugs when he died. Okay, and again, it almost like the whole path of L. Ron Hubbard from uh, the dentist appointment forward, drugs were a major source of inspiration uh, for him, including when he got hooked up with uh, Jack Parsons and Aleister Crowley and all that stuff. But listen to this, he even gave his own son drugs because remember his son was part of the inspiration to creating Scientology material. Remember they got together and they were do dropping a bunch of bennies, right? Uh, so they can be inspired to write the history of man which was a small book, but that's where he said the reason why people have locked jaw today is because it goes back in the evolutionary history and we were all clams. Remember that? And he admitted, it was a court hearing, we showed the video, right? That it was, uh, that was him on drugs. He admitted it. But listen, it gets even more. He said the uh, Hubbard Sr. continued with his own use of drugs and even used them in conjunction with the e-meter, continually jotting down the results. But he also gave them to his son to inspire him to write as well. Quote, he started me out by mixing phenobarbital into my bubble gum when I was 10 years old. This was to induce deeper trances in order to practice the black magic to get an avenue to power. And uh, one of Scientology's most influential texts was said to have been created by these very means with Ron Jr., his son, being the drug channel, right? Now listen to this. Hubbard not only drugged his son to act as a scribe, right? But apparently he did it also to himself. Listen typing out frantically the drug-induced revelations that came through. Ron Jr. describes this about his dad. His dad, quote, he'd sit at his typewriter late at night and boost himself up on drugs and hit way at the top and write like crazy. He could type 97 words a minute with four fingers. That was the maximum the old IBM electric typewriter would go. When he got into one of these drug trips, he'd write until his body would literally collapse. Quote, that's just the way he worked. So his son admitted, where's he getting his source of authority? Where's his inspiration? Not only with demonic stuff and altered state of consciousness, this dude is on drugs. That's where he's making this stuff up. He's an author, right? He just, it's crazy. In fact, Hubbard claimed, well, gee, I wonder where this inspiration came from. He claimed that nicotine in cigarettes would turn into nicotinic acid, a supposed component of vitamin B, and that it would drive out radiation from the body, including forms of cancer. Now, right there, if you're going to be a source of authority and you can't get nothing wrong, you got that one wrong, right? But he also, listen, quote, recommended cigarettes as a way for people to recover their health in the event of a nuclear war. <laughs> this guy's he's on drugs, right? In fact, speaking of drugs, John McMasters, he stated on the flagship Apollo, which is one of the ships that he tootled around the world when he was on the lamb, right? He said he witnessed Hubbard's drug supply, and I quote, it was the largest drug chest I had ever seen. He had everything, right? So again, this is why their version of God, everything's messed up, because Hubbard is just, he's doing a new age mindset. He's grabbing a little bit of this, a little bit of that. He's grabbing from Hinduism, Buddhism. He's in an altered state of consciousness. He's in contact with demons. He's definitely on major mega drugs, which puts you in an altered state of consciousness, and he's writing as fast as he can go in a drug-induced state. This is why it's all messed up. Right? Because your source of authority is this guy. His source of inspiration is that. And this is what you get. That's why it's so messed up. That's why their version of God is messed up. Now, one more and we got to close. That also, he, again, what's the phrase? Science fiction occult. We could definitely add drugs to that if we wanted to. Okay. But he also pulls, since he's big into science fiction, he pulls in a lot of people with the UFO stuff. Right? Because, again, what's the premise? Xenu was a what? An alien commander from another galaxy, right? And these people that they blew up in the volcanoes were what? Aliens from other planets that they tried to depopulate and blew up. And the reason why we all have negative things uh, going on today is what? These engrams. What's the engrams? Engrams are the sticky aliens that are all over us. Get them all! Oh, 
right? And you can only get them off when you pay Scientology to get them off for you by going through all the auditing procedures and OT levels, right? The whole thing is based on what? Extraterrestrial mindset, thinking, science fiction, space, Star Wars, ah, right? And again, they believe that they're what? They're going to shoot out to the stars. They're going to come back and all that stuff. So a lot of people get pulled into this because it fits with that genre. Uh, is Star Wars a big thing right now? Star Trek, space, all that stuff, UFOs. More people believe, get our, uh, a resource we recently came out with, UFOs, The Great Last Day's Deception, whether it be the videos or the book came out recently. Okay, check that out. Because you're going to see in there more people in the United States, in the United States, more people believe in UFOs than they do in God, in our country. More people believe that UFOs have landed on planet Earth than that Jesus is the Son of God. So Scientology comes along with their, you have Zeno, space, I can come back, travel, aha, right? It's going to pull those people right in, right? And it's not just going to pull them right in, but they're going to get uh, 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 indoctrinated uh, into that same kind of mindset. Okay, now, now again, if you weren't here last time, I'm, not gonna do, I'm just going to give you a little refresher. The whole basis of Scientology, their whole history, uh, is based on UFOs, aliens, things of that nature. So I'm going to give you just a, a real quick uh, reminder of the Xenu incident. Watch this. Origin story. The origin of Scientology goes back to 75 million years to an evil alien dictator by the name of Xenu, who dealt with the alien population problem by capturing them and killing them with volcanoes and hydrogen bombs. But when the souls of these aliens, called Thetans, began to descend, Xenu captured them and implanted them with false memories of history and religion, such as images of Jesus Christ. Upon releasing the Thetans into the world, they attached themselves to humans, thus causing confusion, health issues, and mental problems. This is what the church believes in. Yeah. Turn to somebody and say, get them off, get them off! Because right? that's the whole basis, right? So they pull that crowd uh, in as well. In fact, one guy, listen to this, he admitted, uh, he said, Scientology is part therapy, part religion, and part UFO group. It's just a mixture of all this stuff, which is, again is a basically a, a New Age mindset. And as one guy said, I didn't say this, they did, quote, one can only speculate what drugs Ron Hubbard was on and was taking when he came up with uh, Xenu body thetans and these out-of-body visitations to other planets, uh, which is a whole other topic. In fact, we do have on record, this is a court record, that he admitted when he came up with Xenu, which they don't tell you until you get to the OT levels, OT3, I believe, right? Because remember, you got to get clear as the first one, which costs estimates of $120,000. But then you're not done. Now you got to go through these what's called OT levels, and each one is tens of thousands, basically, etc. Well, when he was coming up with OT3, he wrote this. He was uh, uh, doing the Sea Org thing. He wrote, and this is a letter to his wife during the OT3. He came up with Xenu, Body Thetans, all that stuff. Quote, I'm drinking lots of rum and popping pinks and grays. So he admitted the idea of Xenu and the Thetans and the volcano blowing up and all that stuff, right? So again, again, it's a hodgepodge of all that stuff. Now, what's interesting is... This adds more credence to why he came up with the cover that he did for the Dianetics book. Let's go back to that. What's on the cover? Why a volcano? Because according to his alien story, right? Xenu, and he came and he froze him, shot him up in the neck at the IRS office. Ha ha ha, snookered you, right? Froze him, took him back to Earth, which he relabeled as Tigiak. Okay, and I love that. Say that. It's fun, right? I mean, whatever. So anyway, Tigiak, right? But he what? He dropped him in a volcano. But that wasn't enough. Then they dropped hydrogen bombs on the volcano. Oh, by the way, how'd they travel here? Their spaceships, for some reason, look just like DC-8 airplanes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but, uh, uh, so he dropped them there, blew up them in the volcano, and they got turned into spirits, and then sucked them up, and then that's what clings on you and I after they went to the movies. Okay, anyway. But listen, listen, listen to what he did. He didn't just, that's what that volcano is all about. It's not just exploding information or whatever you can think of. Listen, he believed, it's reported, that he explained the image of why did he want to have the volcano on there? Because, again, his story about Xenu and the explosion. He said that it would be key in the submerged memories of the Xenu incident to impel people to buy the book. So he believed that when we would see the cover of this book, subconsciously, it would trigger that event of this volcano 
with these people being dropped, and we would be, I have to buy this book so I can relive the past and get these things off of me. And can you believe that? But again, it's all centered around uh, E.T. and UFOs. And again, that's a big theme today. So you start throwing this out there. How many people are going to get snookered into Scientology because of that promotion? Now, I don't have time to get in this, but one other thing as we close. The big thing that when you contact these aliens, these space beings and all that stuff, which is demonic, and one thing that they always do is they want to explain away the rapture. Okay, and we talked about that before in some other studies. Uh, one lady, Barbara Marciniak, she's uh, supposedly channeling uh, aliens from the star system Pleiades. Here's what they told her. That the people who leave the planet during the time of earth changes do not fit here any longer. They are stopping the harmony of the earth. When the time comes that perhaps 20 million people leave the planet at one time, there will be a tremendous shift in consciousness for those who are remaining. Yeah, you bet you there will when the Christians disappear at the rapture. Okay, but they're explaining away the rapture. Well, what happened to these people? Well, another lady, a channeler, she's supposedly channeling aliens as well. And what she's telling is this, the aliens beamed them up to their space stations. They're, they're in holding stations orbiting the planet. She said, quote, this is what they told her when she's in her altered state of consciousness. Our rescue ships will be able to come in close enough in the twinkling of an eye. Notice how they pepper biblical terminology. To set the lifting beams in operation in a moment. All over the globe where the warrants, events warrant it, this will be the method of evacuation. They will be beamed up in our UFO spaceships. So that's what happened to your loved one. It had nothing to do with the rapture. It was the aliens here. Uh, and they beamed them up to these holding pins and uh, don't you worry about it one iota and uh, because they'll be fine. They're going to be rehabilitated, you know, and then maybe they'll join us later. Now, here's what's interesting as they close, okay. Uh, Scientology has an, a different version of death, right? When a person dies in Scientology, they call it dropping the body, right? Dropping the body. But let me tell you the rest of the story, what they believe that when you drop the body. Quote, that when a person dies, a Scientologist, he has been pre-programmed to return to an implant station out in space. Uh, and in the implant station, they will have all the memories from the most recent lifetime electronically erased. And then they'll be sent back to Earth to pick up a new body or start another life. <laughs> However, if you make it through all their auditing processes and their levels, now you have a different option. Then you'll be able to erase the command to erase your memories. See, that's a benefit, right? And then you will never again have to return to an implant station after death. You will be a free being, and you could just do whatever you want, float around the universe, pop into a body, do whatever you want to do. Now, isn't that interesting? Once again, even that aspect of the UFO thing that explains away the rapture, maybe for the Scientologists, who will be left behind, right? Maybe uh, that could bleed into some of their uh, beliefs, that, oh, they just dropped their body. Don't worry, though. Uh, they must have been a good Scientologist. You know, I, I didn't make it all the way to that OT level, apparently. Uh, but man, that, that's probably what they were. They were Scientologists, and they're up there on those implant stations. They'll be okay. They'll be down eventually. Unless, of course, they made it all the way to the top, like Hubbard, and maybe they won't ever come back. You know, whatever. But isn't that interesting? All the same similarities. This is their source of authority. This is who they follow. This is why it's so messed up is because they're not following the Bible, they're following a man. They're not just following any man, they're following a what? A guy who was heavy duty into drugs, into an altered state of consciousness, linked himself with demons, was a, 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 a very creative writer, okay, and he came up with a new religion. And so guess what? It all spills downhill. Lord willing, next time we're gonna see in his drug-induced state what he said about Jesus, about the nature of man, and the means of salvation, okay, which all are marks of a cult. You get those things wrong, you're a cult. Whether you like it or not, secular people admit you're a cult. And that's what we're dealing with. So let's pray. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven and not hell? Now, before you answer that, let me uh, share with you a couple things that the Bible says. The Bible says that God is holy and that we are not. And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death. We don't deserve to go to heaven when we die. We deserve to go down. We deserve to go to hell. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this problem that we have, that we're separated from God not only now, but we're going to be separated from Him for all eternity in a place called hell. We, we, we don't even want to admit that. So 
Once again, out of love, God gives us what's called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were God's x-ray, if you will, divine x-ray to, to get us to admit the problem that we have inside that's separating us from Him. Let, let, let's take a look at a few of those of God's divine x-ray. For instance, if you think that you're worthy on your own, you don't need the Savior, uh, you're going to get to heaven all by yourself, then let's take a look at God's test there, uh, the, the Ten Commandments. The ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. Uh, how many of you have ever told a lie before? Raise your hand. Okay. Uh, if you didn't raise your hand, you just told one. But folks, we've all done that. That makes us a liar. The Ten Commandments, God's x-ray, showing us that we have sin that's separating us from Him. We're not holy and perfect like Him. The Fifth Commandment says this, You shall not steal. Don't ever once take anything without permission. How many of you have ever done that? Well, if we're not going to tell another lie, we, we should all admit that as well. Well, that makes us a thief now. The Bible says that God is so holy, uh, even His name is holy. And that's why the Ten Commandments says, You shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And if we're honest again, folks, hey, a lot of us, how many of us have used the blessed name of Jesus Christ? The only name, the Bible says, under heaven that men might be saved. We've now turned it into a common cuss word, if you can believe that. The Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. The Bible also says, hey, show, you want to show God you're so perfect, you have no sin? Then don't ever once commit adultery. And you might say, well, I, I've never done that, really? Jesus lays the standard before us. God looks at the heart. Man looks on the outside. Jesus said, if you ever looked with lust in your eye at another person, you've committed adultery in your heart. That's His holy standard. One more. The Bible says, okay, you think you're so good? Uh, then don't ever once commit murder. You shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I, at least I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible again says that the sin of hatred, wishing someone was uh, dead, is akin to the sin of murder. It's just, if you will, you pull the trigger in your heart. So, so, so how are you doing? That's just five out of ten of God's divine x-ray, by the way, uh, showing us the problem. How are you doing? Not if, but when your time comes, we're all going to stand before God. You will be forced to admit what He already knows. Hey, God, let me in. Let me in. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I'm a, I'm a thief. I'm a, a, a blasphemer, an adulterer, and a murderer. And the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You're not headed to heaven in that state. You're headed to hell. But here's the good news. God said if we would just admit this, Number one, then he could fix it. And it gets fixed only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the life, and the truth, and nobody comes to the Father but by me. Why? Because only Jesus lived the perfect life in our place. And Jesus died on the cross. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be set free. And since we weren't there, and since it's a gift and we can't earn it, we have to receive that wonderful gift by faith. And the Bible says God will pardon us for our crimes, our sins, against Him. And you could actually see this analogy working uh, in the natural, in the normal world. Uh, we see this actually uh, in the courtroom. For instance, if a person is guilty and, and everybody knows they're guilty, they've committed a horrible crime, and, and, and the, the sentence has passed, the judge has knocked down the gavel and says, hey, uh, you are going to jail, you are going to the death penalty for that crime. And we know that people, that happens all the time, and they go to jail. But believe it or not, did you know there's a way for that person, even though they're guilty, to actually be set free from that crime? It's called a pardon. And the one in authority, the governor, has the part out of mercy, out of goodness. Certainly nothing that that person did in jail. They can't undo the crime. It's too late. But out of mercy, the governor could go down there and grant that person in jail a full pardon. For their crimes and by receiving that pardon the doors come open and they are set free and they're rescued from the death penalty folks that's what god is doing every single day with us spiritually he has allowed his son jesus christ to take the death penalty in our place he's pardoned us but a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it and it's actually been on historical record that there have been people on death row who a governor has gone down out of mercy and extends to them a full pardon, but they've rejected it. And by their own doing, they went to the death penalty. Folks, don't make that same mistake for all eternity. God loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, all of it, even the sins we don't even know about. He wants to pardon you and forgive you, but you must receive that by faith today.
The Bible says if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you call upon His name, ask Him to forgive you of all your sins, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Please do that now. Please do that today because tomorrow may be too late. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Get a Life Ministries. Again, thank you for joining us. If there's anything that you need, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to contact us. Our information and number and uh, things will uh, pop up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.